the longer the length of the cable is. So you need to look, I don't know the, the, the maximum length, you know, or whatever, and I don't know that there is, I mean, I'm sure there's a maximum, but I don't know what the ideal length would be, but that's something that you have to decide based on your network. So attenuation, like I say, it's, a, it, it's the degradation of your signal. So it, that's measured in decibels and it's rated in categories. So you might have seen when you're out shopping for Ethernet cables, you might have seen Cat3 cables for a bargain price and then Cat5 cables priced a little bit higher. That's because Cat5 cables have more twists per foot of cable, resulting in less crosstalk uh, between the pairs of cables. So you've got, you know, you've got a better signal. So if you can, get Cat5 cables and avoid the Cat3 cables. In my limited experience, I, I couldn't even find Cat3 cables to save my life. Uh, at, the, at the business I was working at uh, for a little while this past summer, I was actually set on a task to get some Cat3 cables to test a, net, a network on like really, really, you know, old and bad equipment, and I just could not find them. So I have a feeling if you walk into a store and grab an Ethernet cable, I mean, as long as it's an electronics store, you're probably grabbing a Cat5 cable. Like I say, Cat3, you might be able to find that bargain price is somewhere. Um, so if you've got if you've got a situation where you're buying like a lot of cable like long long lengths of ethernet cable to set up a network for someone keep in mind that the length of the cable will matter in terms of how good your signal is and the way to uh, improve upon uh, improve your signal as you get l longer lengths of cable would be to do what well yes to hook up a hub uh, and that way you can have or you know you might call it a multi-port repeater, uh, and that way you've got your Ethernet cable going in, it amplifies the signal, gives it new life, and sends it out across the cables to, um, to continue its networking destiny. Ethernet also uses something called CSMA slash CD, that is Carrier Sense Multiple Access with Collision Detection. Okay, what does that mean? Um, well, each device on your network is going to, because this is Ethernet, it can look on the wire to see if anyone else is transmitting a signal. If the path is clear, your device that you're sitting at, you know, that you want to send a signal, will send that signal. Now, in the event that two devices transmit something and there is a collision, then Ethernet will detect that there was a collision and it will send a jam signal to everything on that network and say, okay, we've got collision, data has been damaged, everyone put yourself on hold for a certain amount of time and then try to retransmit. And that's what happens. And and this is all made possible because Ethernet has has that functionality. Um, I couldn't tell you the, the, the which wire, like which, which little wire it went across on or anything like that. I haven't uh, done that much study on Ethernet, but, but that is something that is a feature of Ethernet. And that's a good thing, right? Because you've got collision uh, detection uh, and you've got a way to detect whether there's a signal on your wire already and you know you can wait to send your signal. I mean you not the you the user wouldn't do that, but the software, uh the stacks, the networking stacks underneath your applications and things uh will do that. And that is a good thing, but keep in mind you know if we're, if we're talking about a home network with you know 6 or 10 computers, not that big of a deal, but if we're talking about something that is uh you know a lot a lot more complex like your your employer needs you to set up a big network for for all of the employees in the company and stuff then you might want to take a look at that stuff and 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 really think about breaking up your collision domains because otherwise you're going to start having people trying to send out you know whatever signal a request for a web page or or an email or whatever and um and their computer is just going to put itself on hold because it's the the line is busy right now and then it's going to keep holding because you know you've got 200 other people trying to send signals out over this network and that is why we like to break up our collision domains uh, to avoid 
issues like that. There are two types of Ethernet cables, broadly speaking. Or actually, there's it's not just Ethernet cables. It's it's like Ethernet interfacing. It's it's uh, half duplex and full duplex. There are important differences between the two, and you're going to find equipment that is capable of of both, and uh, equipment that is capable of only half duplex. Again, at an old job over the summer that I was working, they assigned me a job. They assigned me the task of testing out a network on half duplex with old cables and all this other good stuff. And I mean, literally, I had a hard time finding a switch that would not do full du duplex. So it was really tough to find something that you know, that wouldn't do the faster of the two things. So chances are, if you're working at a place with fairly modern equipment, then um, you're probably not going to have to worry about this. But if for some reason you're working at a place with old equipment and you're experiencing a slow network and you're trying to you're trying to figure out what's going on, where the bottleneck is, whatever, that's one thing to check and be aware of. That certain, ele you know, every element on your network needs to be capable of full duplex for ma maximum speed. Because half duplex is sort of a one-way street uh, for networking. Uh, there's one pair of wires, and all the data is being sent via this pair. Full duplex is a two-way street. It's, it's, it's got one pair of wires to send data and one pair of wires to receive data. So in theory, that would boost your network performance by like 100%. So the full duplex will will speed up your your network. It's great for all your connections from, you know, a switch to a host, a switch to a switch, a host to a host as long as you're using crossover. And we'll talk about crossover in a moment. Uh you do need a dedicated switch port for each node that you want to be true full duplex. Um and you need to obviously ensure, like I say, that your network cards and your switches and the cables are all capable of full duplex. Uh that you're not trying to use a half duplex cable on a you know, a full duplex switch, although I've done that and it, it seemed to perform really well, but I wouldn't swear that that made it true full duplex. Ethernet comes in a variety of different flavors. Three of them I've actually had experience with, and so I'm not going to try to go into any of the other ones, but it's just mostly important to understand or to realize, I guess, that that, that all Ethernet is not necessarily the same. I mean, so there's 802.3, which I guess originally it was like a 3 megabit per second connection. But now everyone, when you when you talk about Ethernet and you're just talking about, you know, the slow Ethernet, you would be talking about 10 megabits per second. Above that, there's the 802.3U, which is considered fast Ethernet, which is 100 megabits per second. And then the step up from there is 802.3AB, which is the gigabit Ethernet on Cat5 cables. And so that those are the different speeds of Ethernet. You can look up 802.3 or or just like fast Ethernet or or Ethernet like on Wikipedia or something to find out all the different variations of of that. It's really something that you'll probably want to look up more on a, a, a basis of should you ever encounter it, because typically, or at least in my very limited experience, the the, the thing that I had to, to know about was whether to have my switch set at Ethernet, 100 megabits per second, or gigabit Ethernet. Uh, there was actually a physical button on the um, on the switches that I was dealing with at this one job, and I just it was just a, a matter of having all of my switches set to the correct thing. If you don't keep it in mind, you know, obviously there's a danger of you possibly not having things set correctly and kind of you know, not having an optimized uh, network. So those are the different types of, e the different speeds of Ethernet that you have available to you. Uh, there are different kinds of Ethernet cables that you're going to encounter as well. So you're going to want to make sure that you've got the right one. Uh, there is a straight-through cable, there's a crossover cable, and there's a rolled cable. Okay, so the straight-through 
is going to be good for your host to switch or your host to hub connection or your router to switch or your router to hub connection and that uses four wires full duplex and it is wired in such like if you if you took the cable apart if you took the connectors off the end of the cables you would see that the wires uh you know the red blue yellow whatever those little wires inside the cable pin one connects to pin one pin two connects to pin two pin three connects to pin three pin six connects to pin six so if you took the ends off of each of each cable and, and examined it, you would see that the, the red cable goes to the same place on, on the other end as it started out on, on the first end. So that's just straight through. Now crossover is a little bit different. It's going to be good for a switch-to-switch connection or a hub-to-hub connection or a host-to-host connection um, or a hub-to-switch connection or a router-to-host connection. And that also uses four wires, but it is wired in such a way that Pin 1 on, let's say, the, the left connection goes to the pin 3 on the right-hand connection. Uh, pin 2, if you follow that through the cable, you'll see that that connects with pin 6 over on the other end. Pin 3 would go back up to 1, and then pin 6 would go back up to 2. So obviously there's literally a crossing of the wires there uh, so that they end up on opposite ends or opposite pins on each side of your of your cable. But anyway, the, the point is that if you're in a pinch, you need something other than what you've got. Keep in mind that if you just look this kind of stuff up, you can actually rewire it pretty easily yourself as long as you've got the right tools for it. Okay, the last kind of cable uh, is a rolled cable, and this is basically it, it's it's really just used is it for a very specific purpose. It's when you want to connect a host to a router but via a serial port. So this is when you've got like a fancy router that has like a serial port. You can use this rolled cable to connect from your host to that router via this port and, and that enables you to talk directly to the firmware is the typical use for that. Uh, I've never used one, so I can't really say much more about it than that, except that it exists and that's what it does. Looking at the cables themselves a little bit, little bit further, we should start thinking about how data gets across these mysterious ethernets. How does the data get from, for instance, the application layer and then all the way down to the physical layer? That's kind of, it's kind of a good thing to keep in mind because it's actually, I mean, it's something that you're going to be thinking about a lot in a network uh, because what happens is, like, if you've ever seen a space shuttle uh, lift off, you know, on TV or whatever, you, you'll, you'll see the, the space shuttle leave the ground and then once it reaches a certain altitude and it's burned off a certain amount of fuel that fuel tank will be ejected from from the capsule from from the shuttle itself so it's shedding off these layers that it doesn't need at you know at different stages during its journey uh, it's kind of similar on a network uh, in a way so let's say that we start out obviously at the application layer where the user is making some kind of request or generating some kind of data uh, the presentation layer deals with that data, puts it into whatever format it needs to be put into, and the session layer below that establishes a session, as it were, to keep all the data organized and, and make sure that the data comes through where it needs to come through and ends up where it needs to end up. Then the transport layer comes into play, and it will add a header, either a TCP or a UDP header, to the data uh, that's being fed to it from these upper layers. And it also creates a virtual circuit for this session, uh, giving it an arbitrary port number, uh, which would start at 1024 and go up from there. So let's say we're trying to FTP somewhere. That is by default assigned to port 21, right? So if we're sending data to a port 
called 21, and the computer sees you wouldn't want to send it from a port also called 21, now would you? Or you wouldn't want to send it from a port that is assigned to some other service already, like SSH. You want to give it a random... The, the transport layer is giving it a random, or I don't know how random it is, but an arbitrary port number that is not reserved for something else and that is not going to be the same as what you're trying to communicate to. The network layer then is going to add an IP header to the segment of data, and at this point, this segment of data becomes a packet. Uh, it's also going to add a protocol field defining whether it is TCP or UDP. It's going to find the destination hardware address, and the way it's going to do this is with something called address resolution protocol, which is otherwise known as ARP. And um, we'll talk about that more on some other episode. But basically, it compares the IP address and the subnet mask of the source to the IP address and subnet mask of the destination. And if they're on the same network, then ARP is going to ask for the MAC address, and it'll send the packet. If it is not on the same network, then IP is going to look for the IP address of the default gateway or the router instead so that that packet can be forwarded to the, uh, to the appropriate network. In other words, if it's not on your local area network, it must be on some other network somewhere else on the internet, and it will send it out to that other place. Or not necessarily the internet, but it could be another network that you're connected to. The data link layer then comes in and encapsulates each packet into what's called a frame, and it places another header, um, this time of the source MAC address and the destination MAC address. MAC address being, of course, media access control. That's the number that's burned into the network card. Uh, the CRC, which is the cyclic redundancy check, which is going to help the data link layer detect errors, although not correct them. Uh, that's added to the header as well. And uh, the answer to that CRC is placed in the FCS, which is the frame check sequence field, in the at the tail of the frame. So we've got a lot of data being added there. And then finally, all that stuff is, tra is, is sent over to the physical layer as a bunch of ones and zeros, uh, pure binary signal, and it's committed down to the network medium. That is the wires, the Ethernet cables themselves. And every device on the network synchronizes with the, frame, the frame's clock, and they extract the ones and zeros from the signal, they build a frame, and they take a look at the CRC, it, it makes sure that the frame is okay, and if it is okay, then the device checks to see if that frame is for them. Uh, if the frame is for them, then the process continues and it, it, it does what it needs to do, kind of the reverse process of all that. You know, it, it goes through all the headers and figures out what protocol it is, and it makes sure that there was no there were no dropped packets, etc., etc. And then it sends it on up, you know, through the session layer to the uh, application layer. Uh, if it's not for them, then they ignore it, you know, and they, and it's not for them, so they don't worry about it. But um, but that's how that's how this stuff is sent over the network. Uh, it's it's just it's given a whole bunch of different headers. Lots of different information is being put onto the actual data packet that you are sending out, um, so that all the different components of the of the network stack can can take a look at it and know what to do with it. So let's talk about Ethernet as a data link layer entity. Ethernet addressing uses the media access control number, and that is, like I say, it's burned into the Ethernet interface of a device. It is a 48-bit or 6-byte number in hexadecimal format, and it's very specific as to how this is composed. Uh, the first bit is the individual group bit. Uh, if it is a zero, then you know it's a MAC address. If it's a 1, then it could be something else like a broadcast or a multicast address. 
The next bit is the global or the local bit, sometimes also called the universal bit. And if that's a zero, then this this is a globally administered address by the IEEE uh, organization. If it's a one, then it's a locally administered address. So if you are if you've got your own protocol or if you're running tests or whatever, um, I mean I don't think this would be on the level of certainly what I would be doing. But but if you were really screwing around with networking and stuff like that, if this was set to a one, then you you would set set this bit to one because it is a locally administered address. The next 24 bits are a manufacturer's assigned code, or again, it could be a locally administered one, but if assuming that this is more common, uh, it's going to be a manufacturer's assigned code, and this is usually just, it'll be, it'll start with zero, you know, 24 zeros um, for the first card that they churn out of the factory on up to the end of the run, you know, whatever that would be mathematically to fit into 24 places. So that would be what you would see there, and, and a lot of times that's the, f you, you'll see those same digits as part of the serial number of the of the actual interface card as well. Um, the Ethernet frames themselves are used to encapsulate packets coming in from the network layer. So right above the data link layer, obviously, is the network layer, right? They're done in a MAC frame format, and they provide error detection from cyclic re redundancy checks, the CRCs. So this is important data because it's double-checking, essentially, the integrity of the data. And so, again, they're very specific in what they contain. They've got a preamble, which is alternating ones and zeros, which create basically a 5 megahertz clock at the start of every packet. This lets all the receiving devices on your network synchronize to the incoming data and make sure that they're getting all the data. Um, and the way it does this is with what's next in the in the data frame is it's the start frame delimiter SDF, and that's a, it's one octet, so it's one zero one zero one zero one one. So everything knows, you know, it can come in at any point during that one zero one zero one zero, but then when they hit one one, they know they're in sync. Uh, the destination address comes next, and that could be an individual address, or it could be a broadcast address, or a multicast uh, address sent to a, you know, sent to all the devices on your network, or just a subset of all the devices, whatever. That's the destination address. So the next thing would be a source address, and obviously that's just going to be from one thing. That's not going to be a broadcast or a multicast address. That's going to be an actual 48-bit MAC address of the computer or the device, the node that sent the data. After that is the length or the type, and that identifies the network layer protocol that's being used, and then the actual data itself. So this is the data that, that you are sending, and that can be anywhere from 64 to 1,500 bytes. Uh, and then there's the frame sequence check. Like we, uh, like we said, that's the, that's the thing that's going to have the answer to the CRC uh, so that once the frame is all received and looked at, um, the cyclical redundancy check can be verified by the frame check sequence. That is everything that composes a uh, the, the data that is being sent from the data link layer over these Ethernet cables. And uh, that about sums up Ethernet for you. So you've got it on the physical layer. You got the wires and the cables, different speeds, different uh, you know full duplex, the half duplex. Um, you've got straight through. You've got crossover, and you understand the process of data getting from the application layer down to the physical layer, and you also know what exactly is being sent from the data link layer to the physical layer. So in the next episode, we'll uh, continue our exploration of networking, and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. 
So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.